Thank you, John. Merry Christmas. Well, join me, stand please, and we'll, we'll open by reading a little bit out of Micah. Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, happy birthday, Jesus. We love you and thank you for your gift of grace and love, God. Lord, fill this place with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Believer, communion's been set up around the table. Jesus took the bread and he broke it and passed it around. And, and he says, this is my body broken for you. And then he took the, his cup and he says, this is a symbol of my blood spilled for the remission of sins. So as we're remembering baby Jesus, let's remember everything that he did for us. So enjoy, Merry Christmas, turn around and say hello to one another.
mother A baby's cry is the sound of love Come down, come down, Emmanuel He is a song of the suffering He is Messiah, the Prince of Peace Has come, has come
sing out, come let us adore. Oh, come let us adore Him. Come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. And we sing for He alone. For He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. For He alone is worthy. Christ the Lord. And we'll praise Your name. We'll praise Your name forever. We'll praise Your name forever. our voice for he alone is worthy 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 he Christ the to bed. 
praise to his birth the angels sing. Come adore on bending knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King.
Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. We got a good treat this morning. One of my favorites, Mr. Dennis Agajanian. Let's welcome him. Jesus' birthday to everybody. Wow. It's great to be here.
the King, the new Messiah. We're following the stars, shining brighter. Old man, won't you help us if you can? He shook his head, he pointed his hand. There's a new kid in town And he's lying in a manger down the road There's a new kid in town But he's just another baby, I suppose Heaven knows There's a new kid in town Here in Bethlehem Travel far, bearing treasures. You say these gifts are for a new king's pleasure. I've heard that a better king might come. Up till now, there hasn't been one. There's a new kid in town And he's lying in a manger down the road There's a new kid in town But he's just another baby, I suppose Heaven knows There's a new kid in town Here in Bethlehem Thank you. Love you all. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, Dennis Egejanian. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone, let's check out our video announcements. have been asking me what can we do to fill the time during Wednesday night the 27th and Sunday night the 31st because we don't have any service that day. A lot of you guys are bored but I have a solution for you. First you can read a book like the Bible, you can go for a nice little jog, or you can even ride a bike. But the most effective and my favorite is leg stretching. Let me show you what I mean. First leg, oh yeah, and if you're feeling brave, second leg. Feel the burn. I don't want to hear you guys say that you were bored. What's up, everybody? This is Pastor Greg. And I'm Rick. Hey, what's up, Miho? So, guys, our big Christmas Eve service is coming up December 24th. That's right. And Rick and I are here to load up the Christmas tree. Rick, go get your truck, bro. Yeah, back it up, dude. 
I gotta go surfing. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, we got our tree loaded up in the truck. We'll see you guys Christmas Eve at 6.30. You ready for that, Rick? I am. All right, I'll see you later, big bro. Fuck, bye now. Have you ever wanted to work at the bookstore? Please apply in the church office. It's a great job. Oh, that's funny, that's funny. Okay, well, let me point out to you that there are offering boxes around the sanctuary and in the lobby. You can use the online giving option if you'd like. Let's pray over, the, well, actually, you know what? Let's close in prayer, and I'm gonna ask Michelle Pratt, would you come up and close us? God bless you guys, and Merry Christmas. portion of the text we're going to look at this morning in Luke chapter 2. This is the word of the Lord. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And so we're going to look at that in a little bit further this morning, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for that these things happened, that you have sent your son into the world. Lord, on a rescue mission, on a mission of your love, and we pray that you would speak to us this morning from these passages. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone agreed by saying... You may be seated, please. So Caesar Augustus ruled as emperor over most of the civilized world from 27 years before Christ all the way until he died in A.D. 14, the year 14. He was honored as a great builder, a benefactor. He had amazing administrative genius. But under his reign, the world enjoyed a peace from military conflict. They called it Pax Romana. If you caused any trouble, they would kill you. <laughs> it was peace. You better be peaceful or else we'll, we'll mow you over. 
It's interesting that the first century philosopher Epictetus, he wrote these words, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he's unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for the outward peace. What we see in the Christmas story, these things happened in history. Here we are, 2000, almost, what is it, 2024, right? Years after the birth of Jesus Christ. What we see here in the record of this story is the one who does bring this peace to anyone who will let him in to do his will. This peace that Epictetus said the world of his day longed for, but which the most powerful man in the world, the emperor, could not deliver to the people. It came to pass in those days, verse one again, that a decree went out from this Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. There was a census that took place during the time of Quirinius when he was governing in Syria. And so everybody, when the, when the, when the emperor says jump, you say how high. Everybody went to be registered, it says in verse three, to his own city. So the Gospel of Luke chapter two opens by showing the circumstances by which God brought Joseph and his very, very pregnant wife, Mary, to the place where the prophecy said that the Messiah was going to be born. We opened the service before worship with the reading of Micah 5.2, which was the prophecy, this is where the Messiah would be born. Hundreds of years before he was born, God said this was where the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem, which means Bethlehem, it means the house of bread. They're just south of Jerusalem. Why did they come to Bethlehem? They were living up in the north. They were living up in Nazareth, which is up near, in, in the Galilee region. Mary is very pregnant, she's ready to pop. Why make this journey south? It's at least a one-day journey on foot. If you're pregnant in your third trimester, it's over a week. Why even go down there? Well, the human side of the story we just talked about. The emperor gave a decree. Everybody has to go back to their ancestral hometown to register. Everybody had to go back to where their people were originally from to register. And this meant that there would be a census so that Rome could know how many men of fighting age there were in case they wanted to conscript men into the military. And though the Jews were exempt from military service, they still wanted the Jews also to be counted because they wanted to tax them, okay? The government always wants to know where you are because they want to get into your pockets. But you know what, they make roads and provide military and police and fire and so we shouldn't be too grumpy. But Caesar Augustus has called for a census. This is the human side of why they're heading south on this 
incredible journey for a pregnant woman. Now the divine side of the story, and there's always the divine side, is that God is bringing Joseph and Mary to the place where Mary's child, who has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, would be born in the exact spot that the prophet said that he would be born. And this was one out of hundreds of prophecies that were fulfilled in the man, in the one Jesus Christ. He didn't come out of nowhere. Everything about him had been prophesied in advance. And so Joseph, verse four, like everybody else, he went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, and down to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. It's interesting to me to consider that God brings this family to the place that the prophet said the Messiah would be born. And they're going down there because of a decree of Caesar. This is what we call the sovereignty of God. God works his will, his plan. He works his will out in and through all of the good and the evil choices of men and of angels and of fallen angels and of nations, of governments. God's in control. Caesar made a decree because he wants to tax the people and yet God is getting this family positioned in the place to fulfill the prophecy of where the Messiah would be born. And so it was, verse six, that while they were there, there in Bethlehem, the days were completed for Mary to, de to deliver the child. She was that pregnant through this whole registration ordeal. They arrive in Bethlehem, she soon then goes into labor and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths. These strips of cloth wrap the baby up. Some people do this even today. It's a very common practice. It wasn't something she did that was unique to Jesus. My mom didn't do this to me. She just put me in a onesie and but some people, they, they wrap their babies up so, you know, so the baby can't move in the night. I look at that and I get a little claustrophobic because I want to be able to move, but the baby doesn't seem to mind. He's been in the womb all those months. But she wrapped him in these strips of cloth, just like you've seen today. And she laid him, notice, in a manger. She laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There's so many people that are out moving right now because Caesar said jump and they're all moving to go get registered for the census. That coming into their ancestral hometown of Bethlehem where their people are from, there's so many people in town that all the hotels are booked. You know, just it, it, nothing, th this was the original Christmas and I'm thinking, I don't know if you've been driving around lately or trying to go to the market or the, it's hard to find parking. <laughs> you know, people are angry. Like, can you feel the aggression on the freeway? People are in a hurry and you can just feel the tension. Christmas, <laughs> the first Christmas, there was no, there was no room in the inn. All the, all the places were booked, but she's ready to pop and so, it seems that they were out on the streets. 
She, so she bundles them in these strips of cloth and she lays them in a manger. Now we have the nativity scenes, right? This nice little enclosed spot with the little warm lights glowing and all. And a manger is simply the long b- box. It's a, it's a horse trough, a feeding trough. I mean, this wasn't planned by them. It was of necessity. There was no place to go, to stay. The baby, babies come when babies come, right? <laughs> well, the baby came and she wraps him in these cloths to keep him warm and secure and she lays him down in a horse feeding trough. You want to talk about low key. You want to talk about a humble arrival of the king of kings. Now this is all orchestrated by God. There's a purpose. So far there have been a couple private announcements to individuals about the arrival of this one that Zechariah said would bring light to those sitting in darkness, those that are sitting there in the shadow of death. So far his coming has been announced to Zechariah and to Mary herself, but now we're gonna see in our text here this morning the first public announcement that the Messiah the anointed one has arrived. He's here now. And to whom is this announcement made? To some group of celebrities, right? With red carpet, some powerful group of dignitaries. Who is this message, the first announcement that the king has come and the king is in swaddling clothes laying in a horse trough? There's a huge message in all this. Something about this kingdom is different than all the kingdoms of this world. And it's so encouraging when we hear this message. It wasn't to some celebrities or high-powered dignitaries, but there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now realize that shepherds were ranked among the lowest on the social scale. By the first centuries, you know, shepherds in the eyes of the Romans and even in the eyes of the Israelites, they were looked down upon, they were often dirty, they lived out in the fields. Look at it says there, they were living out in the fields. You go out and live out in the fields for a few months, you're gonna be smelling pretty ripe. They were dirty, they were unkempt, Shepherds were the underclass of polite society. They were in a category that the the Pharisees had a category of people. It was pretty much everybody but themselves. They called them sinners. You know, don't 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 get near me. I'm holier than thou was the Pharisaical attitude. Well, shepherds were in that category. They were the underclass. They were looked on by polite society with suspicion because they moved, they moved their flocks around towns and things. And so when the shepherds would be leading their flocks around the towns, people would be watching their belongings while they're going by. This is how they were looked at. Okay, and it's, it's hard because we've seen so many of these scenes and so many of these cartoons and so many of these manger scenes that it's, we have to transport ourselves back to, to get the full impact of what is happening here, okay? 
God purposely announces the arrival of the savior of mankind, the king of all kings. He purposely announces it first to these shepherds. The lowest on the social ladder. The gospel is for all mankind. The gospel is for all people, each and every person, no matter who you are. God has come in Christ. Paul would even later write to the Corinthians and say God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. How does God come to town? He's not, he doesn't come just for the people, only for the people of polite society, which is what pretty much we are. He comes not only for respectable citizens. All through the gospel, we find Jesus purposely, as he grows up, he's gonna continue the same pattern that's totally consistent with the way he arrived. He purposely goes after those who have been cast out, those who have been marginalized and stigmatized, those who have been stuffed into boxes and labeled as hopeless. He purposely goes after them. And the scripture highlights that he went after them. Notice again the announcement. Here's the first public announcement of the arrival of the savior of the world. There were in the same country around Bethlehem there, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. You know, there, the Bible teaches that there are higher dimensions all around us. Our modern day Nobel Prize winning physicists, theoretical physicists are telling us that indeed there has to be They're finally catching up with what the Bible's revealed for 2,000 years. Paul said he spoke of heavenly places that are all around us. Now the physicists are telling us that there's, they think that there's perhaps 11 dimensions with this string theory, these guys that are winning these prizes today. We're so aware of the four dimensions of height, length, width, and time, but they say the math and their observation of quantum phenomena points to 11 dimensions. Well, when this here says that an angel of the Lord stood before them, simply there was some sort of portal that opened up to see into higher dimensions that are right here, all around us. And all of a sudden, these shepherds see this angel, this, these angels that are always here, and they're always around us. They're just closed off to our physical eyes. This angel stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Notice here, they're greatly afraid. These are shepherds, everybody looks at them with suspicion. Why, because they're suspicious. (laughs) These dudes are characters, you know? And all of a sudden, heaven opens up and light is shining on them. They're not used to having light shine on them. And so they're afraid. They're afraid. And the angel said to him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, that's not the point. We're not out to get you like you think. We're out to get you, to bring you to the Christ. That's why we're here. For behold, the angel said, this one angel so far, he's speaking to them saying, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be to all people. 
Okay, this is what we should think when we think about what God is doing in Christ, when we think about Christianity. This is what should come to our mind because this is what the angels who have a better and broader perspective that can see more than we see, this is how they describe this thing that is happening here in Christ. We bring you glad tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. If your idea of the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't described like that, your idea of the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to change. Glad tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. Notice there, for there is born to you, you shepherds, you underclass, you that have been labeled as, you know, hopeless, and suspicious, for to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, who is the Messiah, who is the Lord. God deliberately chose to make the first public announcement of the gospel of his good tidings of great joy for all the people. He, he purposely announced this to the shepherds first. but they're afraid. Their initial response is fear. What is God, God's messenger, what is he gonna say to us? And that's what an angel is, he's a messenger. They're afraid of what, they're, they're bracing themselves. Oh no. Why are they afraid? Because they have guilty consciences is why they're afraid. We all deal with guilty consciences. Did I do enough? Some of you are sitting here thinking about your Christmas plans and the people are coming into town. Did I buy enough gifts? Did I do? That's why people are driving around right now angry. They're so mad. I gotta go get aunt so-and-so again. And she's, they're so angry. I didn't do enough. Should I have done more? You know, why am I so unkind? Why am I so unloving? You know, we all struggle because we're all guilty sinners, just like these shepherds. Since Adam, since our first father and mother, Eve, we've struggled with shame. Remember when Adam and Eve fell in sin? What did they do? They immediately hid themselves and covered themselves with fig leaves. Why? Because they were ashamed. Why are these shepherds afraid at the appearing, the opening of a portal into the heavens? Why are they afraid as light is now shining down on them? They think that God has come to smash them. But the first words of the messenger of God are, don't be afraid. This isn't why we've come. But you know, we're so good at faking appearances, aren't we? We're afraid. I'm afraid. I've been afraid to be found out to be found out to, for being as small as I am. I'm not big, I'm small. I'm powerless. I thought I was invincible when I was young. I'm powerless. I'm frail. Life is frail. Especially that when you get older, you realize how frail your life is. The reality is, is that we're all small. And we all struggle with all sorts of things, some people with insecurities, others with different types of fears. I'm gonna say something here that might offend you, but we're all, we all struggle with an addiction of some kind. Not me, pastor, I ain't no drug addict. 
I'm not on heroin or opiates or, yeah, but are you addicted to attention? Are you addicted to shopping? Are you addicted? That's why your credit card debt's so high. I'm sorry to, you know. It's all about dopamine, really. You know that 20% of Californians are addicted to gambling? They'll go pick you up and they'll take you to the casinos. There's an addiction and we all struggle with some addiction. I don't want to mention food right now, but I'm addicted to all the Christmas cookies. I, I've, I've either got to cut it, cut it out or get some new pants here. Wear the shirt out, the baggy shirt, right? It's all about dopamine. It's all about the dopamine hit, dopamine. Are we all dope addicts? You know? I'm just saying, God's bringing it to these shepherds, but in a sense, we're all shepherds. We're all, we're all made of the same stuff, you know? And God has not come to further shame us, as so many people think. We are the people that struggle with shame and we think that God has come to rub our faces in it. And so they're afraid as heaven opens up and the angel says, no, 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 no. Don't be afraid. For I bring you glad tidings of great joy that's for everybody, including you guys. For today, in the city of David, is born to you. When he says he's born to you, he's speaking to these shepherds. And they've been told that God wouldn't come for them. The Pharisees had told them that God doesn't come for people like them. And he's, the angel is saying, no, he's come for you. He's born unto you in the city of David. Christ who is the Lord. God hasn't come to shame us or to condemn us. Look at what it says in John 3, 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but rather that the world through him might be saved or made well. That word in the Greek, sozo, is the word for saved. And it's translated many places in scripture as made well. He's come to cleanse us and clothe us and cover our shame. He's come to love us out of hiding because we've all gone into hiding with our first father, Adam. We've all, we all try to cover our smallness, our shame, the things about us that are embarrassing and God comes not to smash us but to woo us out of hiding that he might cover us. Listen, he wants to cover us in his robe of righteousness. The only thing that can bring a person out of hiding to drop their fig leaf, to be made well, is the love of God in Jesus Christ. It's only love, it's only that love. If, I, if it's not that love that's calling me out, I'm staying in the bushes, I'm staying with my fig leaves, I'm not gonna let you see but the love of God in Jesus Christ, it woos us out of hiding and I admit I am small. I am an addict. <laughs> I need you, God. What, 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 what would make me dare to admit that? Only the love of God in Jesus Christ. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only love, that love will do it. Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, 
which will be to all people, and that includes you. Yes, you here this morning with the struggles you have, with the feelings that you're not enough, that you haven't done enough, that you're not a good enough son or daughter. You who feel yourself lacking, perhaps, as a husband or a wife. I've been plagued with these type of thoughts my whole life. You know, I wasn't a good enough son to my mom, you know. I wasn't, a, I'm not a good enough husband to my wife. And the standard is Jesus, you know. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Anybody feel like you're doing that? You know, don't be afraid. I bring you glad tidings of great joy that's for all the people. You that have been told you don't fit in, that you're too out there for God, you're not. The shepherds were out there, okay? There's Jerusalem, there's the religious center with all the religious establishment, and we're purposely told that these shepherds were living out there in the fields. They're out there, They're too, we're too out there. Maybe you've been told that, you're too out there for God. You're not too out there for God. He comes to you, and he says to you, Christ has been born. Don't be afraid, he brings you glad tidings of great joy, for to you is born this day in the city of David a savior who's Christ the Lord. Do not be afraid, for there is born to you. And this will be a sign to you, verse 12. You will find a babe, verse 12, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now try to hear this for the very first time, okay? Because this is sometimes when we're so familiar with something, we can't hear it anymore. Okay, think think like a shepherd in the first century. You know, you're out there and dirty, and you're excluded, and you're marginalized. The angel just appeared. You're afraid. He told you, "Don't be afraid." And now he's telling you that the king has been born right there. You're in, the, you're, in the, you're in the fields of Bethlehem and he says right down there in Bethlehem where the little lights are glowing, the candle lights, has been born the king and he's laying in a horse trough. This is what they heard. They're like, All right, what? You're bringing this message to us first? And he's over there, in a, he's not in a palace somewhere where you have to dress up all fancy, get your hair cut, take a bath and put the the cologne on we have no access to that but you're telling us that the king has been born right here in Bethlehem in the house of bread and he's laying in a horse trough we can do horse trough We're, that's, our, that's our gig is horse troughs the king is accessible to people like us what a trip and suddenly, over these shepherds in the fields, with this angel that has been speaking to him, a multitude, the, the portal that was opened where they saw this one angel, now that's opened wide, and they see an innumerable company of God's angelic army. That's what angels are. They're warrior spirits that are fighting on behalf of God's people. You have an angel assigned to you. There's angels assigned over geographical regions of the world. I don't fully understand these things because it's in a realm I can't see. 
but the Bible reveals that there's ranks among angels, that they're, that they're an army. And some angels are appointed. Michael is appointed over the people of Israel. There's demonic forces that are stationed over different regions of the world. It's a very interesting study to do in the Bible, but now this portal opens and these shepherds are seeing a myriad of angels, warrior spirits. And what are they doing? They're singing. <laughs> you ever hear an army sing? You ever hear like the Marine Corps, like there's a thousand of these guys running and there's, they're singing their song. It's like, whoa. When warriors sing, wow, it raises the hair on the back of your head and here the heavenly host, this army of God is singing, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. This, the angels listen to the lyrics of their song. They know what's happening. They have a broader perspective than we do. The lyrics of their song, glory to God in the highest. Christ has been born. He's wrapped in swaddling cloths. He's all wrapped up and he's laying in a horse trough. The king has come to earth. God has humbled himself and come to humanity. And he's that accessible and the angels are like, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. He's come on a mission of peace. He's come on a mission to bring you back to him. And he knows how messed up you are. He's come with peace and goodwill towards you, not to hurt you, but to help you. This is the message. This is the, this is the, the first Christmas present right here. Merry Christmas to you and me. Merry Christmas. Notice there it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So sorry women, this is just for the men. Just kidding, that word, it's the word in the Greek for human beings, okay? People get so weird and caught up on, anyway. You can imagine, you can just imagine this. What, is, what God is doing on earth, these this angelic army can see what it is. He's bringing glory to God in the highest and he's bringing peace and goodwill on earth. Peace. This word is, is, it's a medical word actually that was used when a doctor would take a broken bone, a bone that's been broken and he would put it back together. He would set the bone so that it would come together. It's the bringing together of that which has been broken off. That's what he means by peace. He's bringing you back to God, you shepherds. And he knows how messed up and how far out there you are, but this is why he's come. He's not bringing bad will, he's bringing good will. He's coming to get you, to bring you to himself, not to get you and smash you. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another. So then the portal closes between the worlds. This vision of into the spiritual realm that's all around us. It, this, the portal closes up and the shepherds then they, they start looking at each other. Can you imagine? 
They're looking at each other and they said to one another, let's go. Let's go down to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They're, 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 they're still blown away. God showed us this thing first. He made, let's go, guys. And they came with haste. In other words, they hurried and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the horse trough. And they just took the whole thing in. Mary's probably looking at him like, going, what are you guys doing here? And they're looking at the baby and they're looking at her going, wow. All of a sudden, these gruff, dirty guys have this softness of heart and they're standing there with all respect, gazing upon the king laying in a horse trough. And when they had seen him, when they took all this in, as quickly as they came in, they went out and they began to make known, they began to tell everybody they could concerning this child, what they were told. This is good. They went out and they proclaimed about him what they were told about him. What are we told about the gospel? That it's glad tidings of great joy that's for all people. That it's for the lowest of the low as well as the highest of the high. It's for, it's for the poor it's for shepherds and it's for kings. They went out and proclaimed to everything about him that they were told, not what they concluded in their own heads, which is what the church many times drifts off into. In the, and that's why I ask, does your idea of Christianity or of Jesus, does it comport with what these angels could see? If it doesn't, your ideas about Jesus and Christianity need to change. They went out and told everybody what they were told. Good news of great joy, everybody. Here the, the, the shepherds now are the preachers. This reminds me of how God worked in the 60s in what has been called the biggest Christian movement in American history. Who did he reveal himself to first? Because now there's 30 million people, according to a research organization, that say that people that trace their spiritual roots back to this movement in Southern California called the Jesus People Movement? Who did he reveal himself to first? The lowest on the social class, the hippies, the, the ones that were written off as hopeless. And then they went out and proclaimed and then now kings and governors and rich people all over the place have come to Christ. He showed it to the hippies. He showed it to the shepherds. And they went out and they proclaimed the good, what they were told. What were they told? That this is good, great tidings of great joy for all the people. A descendant of David, the descendant we've waited for has arrived. And he's for us, not against us. He's for all of us, not just good religious folks. He's come to save us, not smash us. He's come to make peace with us, to bring us back to God. He's come with good will toward us. He's made himself absolutely approachable. This is what they went about proclaiming and all those that heard it, they marveled at those things that were told them by the shepherds. All the people that were hearing the shepherds were like going, wow, what has changed your life? What has turned you on? <laughs> you know, the people were marveling 
at what happened in these guys' life, and we've just looked at what happened in their life. Are we seeing what they saw? And Mary, she kept all these things in her heart, and she pondered them. It's interesting that Jesus, in his birth, he's already rearranging the oppressive and exclusionist social order of this world by revealing himself first to shepherds. You know that the world was different before Christ? A lot different. Half of the Roman Empire was slaves. These guys slaughtered people. Like we watch, we watch things and people you know, get slaughtered by the thousands. You're talking the world was dark. Study out history, study out Persian history, Greek history, Roman history. Christ changed the world. He brought down the slave, and, and every time man gets oppressive, it's, it's, the, it's the gospel of Christ that comes in and changes things. Right now, in our, on our political left, there's a bunch of people that don't love the Lord, that are fighting for things that the Lord has brought into this world, human rights, equality, and all these things. Those things never existed. You go back into the Greek empire and you start talking about equality, you know, they would just, they would just cut your head off. What do you mean, equality? Get, get over here and we're gonna oppress you. It's, it's interesting that there's political stuff that people are fighting for right now. They don't even realize that the thing they're fighting for, Jesus brought into the world, okay? Which is fine, go ahead and fight for that because that's what Jesus brought. But I hope you come to realize where that came from. Jesus is changing the social order of this oppressive world by revealing himself. You know what, women were viewed in the first century as property most of, through most of history and most cultures. Even in the religious world of the Jewish people, the Pharisees who were so detached from God, they prayed every morning, God, thank you that I'm not a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. When Jesus rose from the dead, you know who were the first to see him raised from the dead? This was on purpose. This was Jesus on purpose revealing himself first to the women. And they were the first that were commissioned to go out and preach the gospel. Go and tell the rest of my disciples, the men who are hiding, who are depressed because they weren't listening to me, go and tell them I'm raised from the dead. It was the women that went and proclaimed because he's elevating women to their rightful place that God has always had for women. He's rearranging all the oppressive structures of this world. Jesus is the one that's doing this in the world. He's doing it already here. And Mary's pondering all this in her heart. And then the shepherds returned and glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. They're just giddy, giddy shepherds, you know, praising the Lord. So blessed, the Messiah is here. He's completely approachable. And he told us first, we're honored, he's honoring. Jesus is always elevating those that man puts down. He's always bringing near those that the self-righteous have pushed away. He's always lifting up folks and restoring them to the dignity and honor that God has given to every soul. I gotta, I gotta get the lyrics to that song we sing. The, 
when he was born, it says that the soul felt its worth. You know, oh holy night, right? When Christ was born, the soul felt its worth. The shepherds felt their worth. And they're out proclaiming it and everybody's tripping out on these guys. We can go to God. He's approachable. He's come for all of us. He's not out to get us, to smash us. He's out to bring us home. That's right. That's the gospel. Merry Christmas to you all. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you, God, for this original Christmas present. Lord, may we open it. May we enjoy it. May we celebrate it. May we be in wonder over it. May it resonate in our souls. May people see it in our eyes, in our love. And may they marvel. I can come to God. I can come. He's come for me. We pray that this would be, Lord, to your glory and our greater joy. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed by saying, hey, let's, let's stand up and we'll close together in one final song. And then we'll be on our way. Let's worship the Lord. children's choir. We have all sorts of fun stuff happening here tonight for our Christmas Eve service. If you're here this morning, you've never received the Lord and you would like to do that, I'm going to be on the edge of the stage. I'd love to pray with you, but we have a group of guys that love to pray. They're going to be waiting to pray with you to receive your first Christmas present. What a trip to come to the Lord right here at Christmas Eve. So come on forward, pray with us. The rest of you, have a blessed day. Stay calm. Don't let the people stress you out. Make the main thing the main thing. Keep it right there. God bless.